As the choir is going down, let me just take a moment to say thank you to so many dozens of people who have already poured their heart into preparing our set for our passion play. Maybe you've noticed there's a little difference how things look up here at the front. Uh, we're excited about our passion play for this year. The music is so incredibly moving, uh, and the message is really interesting. God's given me something that I've, uh, I've, I've never, never really pursued this before, but I began to study in the Word of God all the different references to Jesus' family. And you know, we, we know about Mary and Joseph, and we know a little bit about John the Baptist's cousin and Jesus. But he had a family. He had brothers and sisters. And the scriptures makes it kind of clear, they didn't always get along real good. <laughs> I mean, think about what would it be like for you growing up with a perfect elder brother. I said that here the other day, and somebody said, I know exactly what that feels like, you know. But there were, there were conflicts here. And I think you're going to find out that Jesus' family was just about as dysfunctional as mine and yours. But therein, the gospel really comes strong. So we're looking forward to that. <clears throat> I'm glad to be back with you after having uh, several days in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's my joy to serve as a trustee on our Guidestone Financial Resources. This is the part of our Southern Baptist Convention that uh, takes care of retirement and insurance and other matters for uh, our, our ministers and those who work on church campuses. Also, I'm specifically charged with working with Mission Dignity. So let me take just a moment to share with you that last year uh, we had a tremendous opportunity. We stepped in to the lives of 1,650 families and helped them to the tune that these are our, our, our ministers who are living at or below the poverty line. They never had any type of retirement whatsoever. And so they find themselves in the last uh, days of their lives and in retirement was really next to nothing. We were able to help them because of your generosity to the tune of $7.5 million. $7.5 million providing all kinds of things from not only sustenance living, but health care and eyeglasses and all kinds of different things there. And for the first time uh, in in our history, we had a superabundance there. So we have even more to start with this year, helping these tremendous, tremendous families. Also, a word to the stock market has been going all over the... I finally found out what's wrong with the stock market in NASDAQ. They've caught the coronavirus. That's what's wrong with it. But in the midst of that, the incredibly good way that we have uh, our monies invested has protected us greatly. Yeah, it's taken a hit, but nothing like what other parts uh, of investments have taken. So I'm thankful to be a part of this. So I'm, I'm back now. I'm glad for it. So grateful for Derek last week sharing a message that was born out of both of our hearts about what it means to be friends with God. But today, I want us to look at the passage really just right in front of the one that Derek <clears throat> shared last week. It's in... John chapter 15, beginning with verse 9, he read it a moment ago, but I would like to read it again as we go, because I want to just emphasize a few words in the process. So, John chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you, abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, just as the Father has loved me in exactly the same way as the Father has loved me, with the kind of intensity with which God has loved me. I have loved you. 
Pray with me. Father God, may your word just be so open before our eyes and may it bless our very soul. Speak into the depths of who we are and in the depths of what we need. In Christ's name we pray together. Amen. Just as, the word as may be the only word that appears there in your Bible, but that is kathos in the Greek. And it really, it appears in three of our verses that we've read today. Verses 9, 10, and 12. It means not only as or just as, but to the degree as, to with the intensity as, with the very same power as. That's just as. And it seems this word kathos kind of bookends the entirety of this passage this morning. Just as the Father has loved me, just as I have kept His commandments, and just as I have loved you. This word is used 31 times in the Gospel of John, and it describes the intensity of the love for God for the Son, the intensity of the love that the Son has for the Father, and the intensity of all of God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, their love for us. And it also then describes the love we have for one another. A tremendous, tremendously important passage. As the Father has loved me. With the same kind of intensity. With the same kind of intimacy. With the same kind of warmth and tender loving care. I have loved you. The Son's love is the same as the Father's love. And it's that just as kind of love. And so you and I get to live in that love. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. I love my sweetheart. She, she and I were 16 years old when we fell in love. Been in love all of our lives. Coming this July, it'll be 50 years we've been married. And I love her with a passion and an intensity and a dedication that is not matched anywhere else with another human being on earth. So if I were to say to you, if I were to say to you, Ed, I love you with the same intimacy and intensity and devotion that I love my wife. First of all, you'd look at me and say, I don't think so. <laughs> but imagine what that would be saying. This love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Spirit. He says, this is the magnitude of which my love is for you. I mean, I would, I'd die in a heartbeat for my wife. And she would for me. And so it's all the more important that I live my life in love for her. Because she didn't want a dead husband. She'd rather have a living one, all right? And so here's the love that we get to live in. Just as the Father has loved me, so love I you. Warren Wisby uh, points out that several times in the Scriptures where it talks about the intensity of the love for the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father. We tend to talk about the, for God so loved the world, and indeed it is. But we've got to keep in mind that what started with the Father, what started with the Son, what started with the Holy Spirit was totally poured out on us that same incredible intensity the Bible says that the father loved the son from the foundation of the world John 17 24 and, and because the father loves the son he has put all things into his hands and under his feet John 3 35 he's revealed all things 
to His Son. John 5.20 Look at how Jesus loves us. And then just in case you miss it a little bit, turn over just a little bit to the right. Find the 17th chapter. Find John 17, all right? And go specifically to verse 26. Jesus thinking, just in case, boys, you, you, you forgot what I told you just a moment ago. Let me reiterate it right here. That the love with which you have loved me, Father, may it be in them. We just camp out there for just a minute. What an intense love. But when you think in terms of God loving you, I want you to understand that's not window dressing. That's powerful love. That's sacrificial love. That's love. It, it doesn't matter what it takes. Nothing will ever change that love. Just as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. And then look, it says, now abide in that love. That's that second point. Abide in that love. Oh, there's that word again, abide. We've been running up on it ever since we, we got started with this chapter. It is, it is a cardinal word in my vocabulary and the vocabulary of all your ministerial and support staff because we have taken time to understand what that word means in our lives. And we have come to relish what that means in our lives, to abide. Now, I understand that, I mean, I've, I've had several conversations the last couple of weeks with folks that said, I'm really trying to get my hand around this abiding thing. Well, I have racked my brain to come up with a better analogy than Jesus did. Needless to say, <laughs> his analogy was the vine and the branches. But here's something that hit me the, uh, here the other day. I was, I was sharing with one of our, our precious members, and <clears throat> she was saying, I'm really trying to struggle to get my arm around this, this abiding thing. And what the Lord had given me was this. It's the love of a mother for her child. The love of a mother for her child is a sacred thing. It's a precious and powerful thing. And that child lives in that love. That child draws nurture from that love. That child draws identity from that love. That child draws peace from that love. Everything that that child Needs and everything he is or she is, he draws from that precious mother's love. Now the time comes when that child gets old enough to want their own way and that mother has to discipline that child. Y'all have been there, hadn't you? And what is it that child says? You don't love me anymore. Yeah. Because in a childish thinking, Loving me means you give me what I want, okay? That's not real love, folks. Let me ask you, has the love that mother has for that child diminished one iota because they've had to discipline the child? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, the child's feeling of that love may have. I don't feel so loved right now. But what happens with that child? I've seen it with all three of my boys. After a little bit, when they get over the pout or get over the burning bottom, <laughs> they'll come run into that mama and jump in her arms. I love you, mama. 
I, I, I didn't mean it when I said I don't love you no more. That child abides in that love of the mother and draws everything from the love of that mother. Now, will you translate that over for a moment to God's great love for you? There is no limit to what the love of God will do for us. And in that love, we find our identity. In that love, we find our comfort. In that love, we find our purpose. In that love, we, we know that we're safe and we're secure. But then something happens in life, and life happens, folks, and life hurts. And, and we, we look at heaven and we say, you don't love me anymore. Has God's love been diminished one iota because you're going through a horrible time right now? No. 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 And when we stop thinking so childish and start thinking more mature, we rush back to him and say, Lord, I know you love me. This hurts right now. You and I get to live in His love. We get to abide in His love. Love that gives us confidence and assurance and peace and identity and purpose. That's what it means to abide in Him. To abide in His love. The agape love that is totally self-sacrificing, totally giving, born out of the heart of grace and mercy in our God. This is the type of love it took for Jesus to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How is God's love the constant in your life? Listen, it's there whether you're basking in it or not. God's love is there whether you're abiding in it or not. God's love is there whether you're drawing your identity and assurance and confidence and peace from it or not. But how good it is to abide in that love. How good it is to live in that love. And let me tell you something. The natural outgrowth of being loved like that is you want to love right back. And how do you, how do, you do that? Well, Basic disciplines just flow out of that kind of love. I want to spend time with God. I want to spend time in His Word. I want to spend time talking to Him and Him talking back to me. I want to fellowship with other people that love Him with the same intensity that I do. I want to reach out to a world that doesn't know Him just yet. And then I want to be of service to this world so they can see the love of God in a practical way. These are the basic six disciplines that we teach in our discipleship here. They all flow out of the love relationship. Okay? They're, they're not fruit themselves, but they are how the fruit grows. Abiding in Him. Then let's look at verse 10 for a moment, if you will. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my, just as, see that word again, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, if ever there are two words in search of biblical clarity in our day, that's the word love and the word obedience. 
we really don't understand many times how closely interrelated these are. But this is the secret I want you to understand today. This is something I want you to know. These two are interrelated. It is this natural, the supernatural outgrowth of abiding in His love. When you're abiding in His love, keeping His commandments is the natural outgrowth, the natural fruit of abiding in His love. I have said this before. It's not original to me, but I am absolutely convinced of this. If you're having a problem obeying in some area, let me tell you categorically from the Word of God, you don't have a problem with obeying. You have a problem with loving. Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, let me tell you what happens. When I try to obey God out of my own ability, out of my own strength, out of my own grit and determination, I'm going to obey God if it kills me. When I do that, I miserably fail every time. But when that obedience comes out of a heart of love, out of all He has done for me, out of all He has transformed me, out of all He has saved me from, out of all the opportunities that are mine because of Him, out of who I am in Christ, the obedience may be hard, but it always flows. John made that perfectly clear in 1 John 5, 3. He says, for this is the love of God. Here it is. Let me shine the spotlight on it. Here is the love of God. Here it is. That we keep His commandments. And, and, His commandments are not burdensome. Not burdensome. They're not irksome. They're not oppressive. They're not grievous. Listen, if obeying God for you is irksome, if it's burdensome, if it's something that that bothers you, then there's a problem with love, not with your obedience. Let the love of God grow in your heart. Abide in that love. Live in that love. And then you'll find that though that obedience may still be hard, it's not burdensome. It's not irksome. It's not something that is oppressive. It's the natural outgrowth of what God is doing in our hearts. It's interesting. I don't want you to see verse 10 as a commandment itself. I want you to see it rather as an illustration. An illustration. If you keep my commandments, you, here's how you abide in my love and how my love abides in you. It all has to do with you keeping my word. And, and, and here's how I've set you the example. I've abided in my Father's love. I've drawn my identity, my strength, my peace from that. And I've abided in His love. Where did that love take him? To the cross. Do you think that was an easy thing for Jesus to do? 
just because he was the son of God? No, he was also the son of man. Every bit man. And it hurt. But he did it. Because it was the God's command, go die for me. No. The love that they shared that created the worlds and the universe. The love that they shared when they created us. The love that they shared when they wept over the fall of man. The love they shared when before time even began, they made a way that man might be restored to them. Out of that love for us. That's what took him to the cross. And when he could have called 10,000 angels to come from heaven and obliterate his enemies and set him free, Good boy, stay right. We are. This is the love of God. And that's why angels look down and say, I don't understand. An angel can never understand that kind of love because that's just ours. That's only something we as created in the image of God will ever understand. When I am loved like that, and when I'm seeking to return that love, keeping the commandments, not burdensome, it just flows. It just flows. But when I'm trying to do this in my own power, and because there's rules here and I've got to keep the rules, you know what I call that, by the way, when you're doing it on your own strength and you're just trying to keep the rules? I call that USDA grade A flesh. That's flesh. That's doing things in my own power, in my own ability, trying to do spiritual things with human fleshly ability. And it may be USDA grade A prime, but it's still flesh. And unless I'm obeying out of love, that don't count. But as I'm doing that, the natural fruit of you and I abiding, living in God's love is obedience. But then it goes on a little further. Let's go a little further. Let's look at verse, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, my joy, might remain. That word is abide. There it is again. That my joy may abide, may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I'm not talking about happiness here. Happiness is, is connected to my circumstances. Okay? I may not be happy because of this, that, or the other. Or, or something may have happened that made me happy. But it's tied into my circumstances. But joy is anchored in the very heart of God. Joy isn't wishy-washy. Joy is constant. I have to tap into it sometimes, and sometimes I tap into it better than other times. But it's the constant in my life. I find it interesting here that over in John 14, Jesus talks about peace. Here he talks about joy, and he's been talking about love. Does that sound vaguely familiar to you? 
from Galatians chapter 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Verse 3. He's talking about here. He's saying, look, as you're abiding in me, these are naturally going to grow out of you. The natural aspect of being in me. Now let's look at verse 12. This is my commandment. Okay. What he said earlier was not the commandment. That was a picture. Here's the commandment. This is my commandment. That you love one another just as, there it is again, just as I have loved you. This is fruit. This is the fruit of brotherhood. This is the fruit of the love we have for one another. This is the fruit of fellowship. Of bearing one another's burdens. Of praying with one another. Of caring for one another of being hospitable to one another. All of the one another's, this is the fruit of that. He said, we get to love one another. It's not we've got to love one another, it's we get to love one another. You can always tell the believer who's walked with the Lord and matured in faith. Because they get crosswise with one another, and they'll follow what the Scripture says. You, you get, get people that are, are not mature in Christ. They get crosswise with one another. And then they part company and they say bad things and all the rest of these kind of things. And you try to bring them back together. And it's just like bringing two kids together. Just like bringing two of my boys together. Making them apologize to one another. That's all right. But someone who's grown in this love who knows the heart of God and God's forgiveness for us, then these believers will seek to be reconciled and to be one because that oneness is so important. That fellowship is the fruit of abiding in Christ. Who he gets better and better, I want you to know that. Jesus calls us to love one another the way that he loves us. Now, how did he love us? He loved us with a sacrificial love. We see that throughout the Scriptures. But there's probably no place that we see it any stronger, any more powerfully than another illustration that God wanted to use to help us understand not only love, but understand marriage. And he speaks to husbands. And he says, husbands, love your wives just as in the exact same way with the same intensity that Christ loves his bride, the church, and gave himself for her, sacrificed himself for her. That's the pattern of love that we get to share in the body of Christ. Because you see, we're all part of the bride of Christ. Jesus is the great husband. And all of us, male and female, we're part of the bride of Christ. And so his love is lavished on us. And as we lavish that same love on one another, we send it right back to him. We see the father's intense love for his son 
We see the son's intense love for his father. And that intense love is love that is ours. We get to live in that love. We get to abide in that love. We get to draw our strength and we get to draw our, our peace. We get to draw our comfort. We get to draw our direction in life. We get to draw everything our nurture requires from that. And out of that, out of abiding in that and living in that and drawing that kind of peace and assurance, obedience flows. Joy erupts. And the unity in the body is held. Maybe this morning, this is a nice, nice little lecture, but you really don't understand a lot about this. It could be because you've never experienced the love of God yourself. Maybe you've never experienced coming to faith in Christ, giving Him your life, allowing Him to pour that intense and powerful and passionate love into your heart. But you can have that experience right now. You can have that experience. Jesus says in the very next, next word, verse, He said, let me show you what that looks like in theory and let me show you what that looks like in practice. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, that's the theory. Now you want to see how it's put in practice? Want to see how it's put in practice? Look! The cross of Jesus Christ. I don't just teach you in theory, Jesus said. I practice what I teach. That's how much I love you. Have you surrendered to that love? Have you given Jesus your heart? Have you asked him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins? To be the boss and the king and the ruler of your life? In just a moment, we're going to pray. And if you have not ever done that, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Eric Van Pelt and Derek are both going to be right here at the front. You might want to come and talk to them. They'll explain it a little further. Or they'll just pray with you if you just say, I've just prayed with the pastor. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe God's put it on your heart that this is where you want to put down roots and be a part of this family. Come and tell them. They'd love to know that. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray. This is time to do business with God. Will you bow your heads? If you've never come to that place that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, Pray with me right now. You don't have to pray out loud, but let it pray loud enough in your soul and your spirit to reach heaven. Dear God, I've heard of your great love today. And I want it. I dare to believe that when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And you rose again so that you might give me your life. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I want to give my life to you. I want you to be the boss of my life. My king. Rule me. I dare to believe you've heard me today. And that right now, I'm being born again. I'm being born into your kingdom.
And I want to thank you. And Father, we want to rejoice with each and every one of those who've prayed that prayer this morning. So will you encourage them in the next few moments to just step out and come take one of our ministers by the hand and just say, I prayed with the pastor. Will you encourage others to join our fellowship today? Will you give others the freedom just to come and to pray? This I ask in Christ's name. Amen.